Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati Rotten. I'm so glad you could join us today. If you're listening to this right when it comes out, uh, to set a context for those who are listening to it maybe a year later uh, or two years later, this comes out right smack in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, the coronavirus, and all that uh, is impacting the world pretty much wherever you're listening to this. And I just want to encourage you. My guest today is Lisa Bevere, and we get into uh, some stuff that I think will be an encouragement to you. Uh, Actually, after we got done with the interview, she said something basically along the lines of uh, where the conversation went is what people need right now. And I totally agree with her. I think this can be an encouragement to you or maybe share it with a friend or two uh, because we talk about the things that you really need to be strong and powerful in times when it seems, you know, crazy out there. And so uh, maybe listen to it once, maybe listen to it twice. Let uh, soak into your spirit uh, and be an encouragement to your soul. If you're not familiar with Lisa Bevere, uh, her and her husband John have been traveling around uh, ministering to large crowds, large stadiums, uh, since 1990, actually, and we get into some of her early days and uh, early days of ministry, which is fun. Uh, best-selling author, uh, so you probably have, you know, maybe read her or her husband's stuff at some point along the journey. Uh, so, without further ado, my conversation with Lisa Bevere. All right, Lisa, welcome to the show. Hey. Good morning, and thank you for having me. Right. It's fun to have this conversation. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Lisa Bevere's strong devotions to live a powerful and passionate life. Uh, I finished it yesterday. i got to be honest, I it's a 90-day devotional, and I didn't do it in 90 days. I did it a lot faster than that. <laughs> it was a good read. You must have. You must have. <laughs> uh, and... Always, since we're warming up here, I like to uh, sometimes start in a random place. And I notice we have a mutual, from your book, I notice we have a mutual love of dark chocolate. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's the very... chocolate that should be evolved and allowed to exist is dark chocolate. Uh, so uh, this is a very important question. Uh, do you have a favorite brand of dark chocolate? Okay. Yes, let me think. You know, there's there's names that you see, but you don't know how to pronounce. It's one of those, and I think it starts with a P. Uh, I don't want to I, I don't want to make that one up. So I'll say go with my second favorite, Greens and Black, and their highest percentage. Highest percentage. So do you have yeah. a uh, like a ninety or? They go. I, I think they only go to eighty five, but I would totally embrace ninety if they had it. <laughs> I, I think my. I think I'm in the 75, so I'm not uh, quite the purest, but it works. <laughs> yeah, we we uh, we think that chocolate is medicine. It is something that nurtures your soul and helps your body. When we found out it had antioxidants, it it it, it went crazy. <laughs> you know, I got recently. I have to I have to say this because I still have bitterness about it. Uh, recently, uh, this beautiful friend. Hope Heals, uh, Catherine Wolf sent me a chocolate bar, high percentage, and I made the mistake of putting it in our joint chocolate bar drawer, and my husband ate all of it. <laughs> I, I, I was the book endorser. I, I still, I probably need to forgive him since I'm working <laughs> with him on it, but uh, I've been leveraging that anytime I take some of his chocolate, I remind him that he ate the entire bar from my friend. So, so you actually have, I know we're going, yeah. we're going off track here, but hey, you, you actually have your chocolate, his chocolate, and then combined chocolate? Well, see, that's what's happening now. We had combined chocolate, and I kind of felt like he knew that wasn't his bar, and he should have said, is it all right if I open this bar and eat all of it without your involvement? But he did not do that. And, you know, Kevin, I just feel like that's courtesy. So now <laughs> I, I might be hiding chocolate. I, I'm not going to say where, but it, it's 
anything. I could be hoarding chocolate. I'm generous with toilet paper, but I am going to hoard chocolate right now. It, it is an uh, important time in history, so we got to be careful with our chocolate <laughs> supply. Uh, now, we'll, we'll get to your book eventually, but I, I did have another question because I've been doing traveling uh, ministry myself for about 15 years now, and so I had a couple questions on that, so this is a totally personal. I'm ta- taking advantage of the situation. Uh, first, when you guys got started, uh, my research says that you started in 1990 driving with the Honda Civic. Uh, so uh, when you think back on those times, uh, is there, because I, I sometimes remember when I started out in ministry, and I love telling those stories, those crazy yeah. things that happened. Any, uh, any fun story that comes to mind from that time period that you always go back and laugh about? There's many. There's many. Because <clears throat> what we didn't say was we were in a Honda Civic with two children in car seats in the back <clears throat> and a large suitcase between them. So they couldn't touch or see one another because <laughs> that's important when you're in a car for 10 hours. And I was pregnant with our third son. So we had to pull over to the side of the road uh, at, at the directive of my OBGYN where I had to get out of the car, run around it, kind of like a Chinese fire drill to get the blood flow going into my legs uh, every three hours. Wow. And we stayed in all sorts of interesting places. <clears throat> you know, these uh, young people that are starting now, they, they missed out. They missed out on sleeping in a double bed with two children on the floor in a complete stranger's house who you had concerns might kill you in the night. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, uh, camper, a camper in the backyard. I That was one of my favorite ones. When I was pregnant, they, you know, they basically put us in a camper in the backyard. There was kind of a, a rainstorm that sounded like a hailstorm in the metal camper uh, with my two kids. My kids slept on the little, you know, the seats that you would have in the camper for eating. John and I were there. And all I remember was uh, thinking, this is, this is, I feel like a pioneer right now. Uh, that Those were all, those were all really uh, fun days. And, and our, I'm really glad our boys came along with us. That was back in the days that if you had a meeting that was less than two hours, you were obviously not in the spirit. Like, so we had, <laughs> I just remember giving my children pieces of jewelry, like my watches and my earrings to play with on the front row. And uh, yeah, kids falling asleep, drooling on me while my husband is is preaching forever <laughs> and ever and uh hallelujah yeah <laughs> so where did the where did the name messenger international come from so uh first of all you know back in the day so we've been traveling and speaking for 30 years so back in the day if you were cool you didn't have a facebook you didn't have an instagram you didn't have a twitter you had a newsletter and we had a newsletter called messenger. And so, you know, we kind of thought, well, you know, that's what we are. We were, were carrying the gospel message. So that was our thing messenger. And I think when we first launched the ministry, we did it as a DBA doing business as, and it was JVM, which no, not a good name. John Bevere ministries. I know it. I know it's, <laughs> You don't want a ministry name with BM in it. So we just were like, no, no. Uh, so we we had this DBA. Then we got our 501c3. And uh, we made a decision that we wanted Messenger to be the overarching because it carried the mandate. So we didn't want to tie it to a personality we wanted to tie it to a person. And so we have become an organization that's all about messengers, messaging, and messages. There you go. I had to think of the three. Um, and I don't know if you know this, Kevin. It's something I'm the most proud of. We have given away 33 million individual resources to people who cannot purchase because of persecution or poverty. So our 
Our resources are scattered overseas in over a hundred languages. You know, so we are, we, it's come to our attention, we're the number one resourcer in Farsi, which would be Iran. We have incredible inroads into China. The Chinese government actually printed Bait of Satan for us because they said, we hear this book is bringing healing to people's lives. And, you know, so we've, you know, we've just watched Vietnam, China, Russia, Farsi, Arabic. These are like our top five languages downloaded, but we have them all the way to dialects and just been incredible privilege to sow, to sow into fields where we may never even meet the people. And I think as Christians, we need to do things up close and personal, and we need to sow into soil that we don't get to ever meet or see the seeds of until eternity. You're gonna, you will see, yeah, in eternity. That will be, <laughs> that'll be a fun moment, won't it? Yeah. Uh, one last on, kind of back in those early days. When was there certain points that you saw? Okay, this is going to another le- level, or decisions you made. So someone else who is looking at uh, starting out, and or or maybe even like me, where I'm at a certain point and saying, okay, what decisions do I need to make to go to the next level? Do you see any those moments back then that you made decisions that God honored? Yes. You know, we made some counterintuitive spirit-led decisions that made huge changes. Uh, one of the things that we have always believed is that generosity is one of the biggest uh, ways to open your world to a larger life. So when, uh, when John's book came out, uh, we actually just said, we're going to give it away. Uh, we came to the publisher and we said, uh, how many do you want to donate and how many can we purchase at a huge discount? And we're just going to sew. And we also believed in praying, praying for God to take this message and like the loaves and fishes, break it and multiply it. So we would pray that people would read the books, that it would change their lives, and they'd share it with other people. And that is still, at the end of the day, the greatest marketing plan. The greatest marketing plan is if you can touch lives and those people in turn take what you have imparted and they reach out and touch other lives so um that was a a key thing people ask us how did the beat of satan become a bestseller and we said we gave it away and they're like what (laughs) that doesn't make sense we're like absolutely it does not make sense you know kevin i have uh i have the privilege of having a book that's a new york times bestseller and that's you know that's not an easy uh feat for a christian book but here's here's what i want to say Jesus is more excited about the books I give away than the books I sell. And so we need to have a shift in how we measure things. And, you know, we, you know, John and I laid on our calendar and we said, God, open the doors that only you can open. Make ways in places that we can never make ways. Give us unusual opportunities. We'll go wherever you tell us to go. We'll say whatever you tell us to say. And and those were those were the kind of prayers that I really feel like God honored. And you know, it's one of those things where nowadays we've got young people, they've got platforms, they can social media it, they can broadcast themselves. But at the end of the day, if you are not taking what God has given you and breaking it and multiplying, if you're just actually building for your own purposes, it's, it's not going to be blessed. And I think that we're in a season right now where God is shaking everything that can be shaken. So, and this is exciting, so the things that are unshakable in our lives can remain. So we can build off the right things rather than wrong things. That's so good with uh, what you're, you've are you been talking about with the, the, your latest book, uh, Strong. Uh, when I look at your, your book cover here, uh, Strong powerful, passionate. Uh, <clears throat> that's kind of been uh, your ministry. Uh, that's, or at least what I've seen of your ministry, the kind of the, almost the brand, if you use that kind of terminology, if 
you look back at a certain time, maybe a, a 15 year old Lisa or some, some other place in time, would they, would that girl be surprised that that's what describes you? That girl would be in shock. That that's what described me. You know, I lost an eye to cancer when I was five, Kevin. So I have an artificial eye. So I grew up being called one eye, cyclops. You, you know, kids can be cruel. And I lived to hide. Not because I, I, I mean, I lived my entire life thinking maybe if, if I dress this way, they won't notice me. Maybe if I, if I don't do this, they won't call me these names. I, um, in high school, uh, again, I was not, I was not raised to be a Christian. I, I was an exceptional heathen, but, uh, but I was a hiding heathen and you know, in high school. And so I remember we had to take speech or debate to graduate. And I, I did, I did speech. I was like, I, I, it's going to be hard enough for me to get up in front of people, but to get up and try to win an argument, that's, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. And I remember the very first speech I attempted, and I need to say attempted to give, I got up in front of my classmates, let's say there might've been, you know, it felt like a, a massive number of people. I think it was probably 20. So I got up in front of my classmates for the speech class and this one particularly a uh, mean boy, almost a messenger of Satan in the back row mouthed when I, when I got nervous, he mouthed what's wrong Cyclops. And I remember shaking and the teacher looking me and said, if you want to step out in the hall and compose yourself, you can do that and then come back in. Well, I stepped out in the hall and never came back in. <laughs> I ran to the guidance counselor. I said, you know what? This is not fair. I have, I have one eye. They are making fun of me. I can never do this class. And you know, the guidance counselor agreed with me. And, and I'm not saying that was wrong because I pulled the handicap clause. I said, this isn't fair. And they're like, you're never going to do public speaking, are you? And I said, I will never do public speaking. And they said, all right, we're going to waive the requirement for speech and debate for you because you're handicapped. And then I said, Kevin, you're going to, you're going to love this. Then I said, there's another class I'm having a really hard time in. And they said, what is it? And I said, typing. I said, typing is impossible for me. I can't get above 25 words per minute. And they said, absolutely. We'll waive typing and we'll waive speech. I'm 15 years of age at the time. I'm thinking, ah, oh, I will never have to type again except for just papers. I will never get up in front of more than two people for the rest of my life. And this is how I picture it. I think God was laughing. <laughs> I think he was like, oh, baby girl, we're going to give you a break now because you are either going to be editing your husband's book or typing your own for the rest of your life. We'll just let your fingers rest. Okay, you don't want to get up in front of those 20 classmates. There'll be a day you'll get up in front of 20,000 people. And we are going to push you to the place where you have to face what you fear. Because Lisa, when you face what you fear, you're going to remember that I created you to be fearless. And this is something I love to say. And again, I feel like I am just a trophy of God's grace in this area. God is not interested in anointing the areas where we are strong and think we don't need him. God loves to anoint the areas where we are weak and show himself strong. And so that would be my story. It, yeah, it wouldn't have just scared the 15-year-old. It would have scared the 25-year-old, uh, Lisa. I, I was so good with supporting my husband. I was so good with being in the background. But at about age 30, my husband started pushing me and started to say, Lisa, you know, there's young girls in our youth group. And they need to they need to hear your voice. And I said, heck no, I'm not some package deal. Just because you're the youth minister doesn't mean I have to say anything. And John would say, I just need you to be ready to um, to get up when I call you. And I'd be like, you just need to be ready for me to walk out the back door. And, you, know, so, you, know, you can tell you can tell there there was there was years of unsubmissiveness. And so, you know, I, I guess. 
I guess, you know, to me, it's funny, Kevin. I never wanted to be a speaker. I never wanted to be a minister. Of course, I always wanted to be obedient uh, to Jesus. But it wasn't cool to be a woman speaker. It wasn't cool even to be a woman author. When I started, you know, this journey, I wrote my first book when I was 34. And I will be 60 in July. So, yeah, there was a lot of... uh, a lot of interesting challenges for me and for my patient, godly husband. <laughs> hey, any uh, advice for a husband who's in the process of encouraging uh, their wife into writing and speaking? <clears throat> Not for someone well, I know, someone I know. <clears throat> just Yeah, you're asking this specifically for a friend. I, I, I can feel that. Um, you know, helping her discover who she is. Uh, one of the things that I had to come to terms with was John has a unique strength. You know, since we're talking about strong, John has a unique strength. He has a unique voice. He has a unique way of thinking and communicating. And when I tried to put his grid over mine, it didn't work. And so, uh, helping me to understand how I could speak in a way that was authentic to who I was. Cause John would say, you need to do a, B and C. And I'd say, but I'm not you. I know my brain doesn't work that way. I, I, I don't think women want to hear it that way. Um, so, you know, helping her with that, finding her voice is, is important. And, you know, then things are changing, you know, things are changing. Uh, maybe what you could do, Kevin, is invite her alongside you uh, in these kind of interview settings where she's going to have insights and ask questions that you might not ask, not because you're not smart, but because you're looking for different things. I don't know. Maybe that would help. You. That's good. Uh, so what was that's the friend? That's, your... that's right. That's the friend. <laughs> Actually, my wife has been on the the podcast, and we're we're in the process probably in the next few months of her starting her own, and we're 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 deep in it right now. So that's that's my friend's question. Bless you. Bless you. <laughs> uh, so, what was the uh, kind of the heartbeat of why you wrote your latest book? Is there a story behind it? Yeah, you almost uh, nailed it. So, <clears throat> my publisher came to me. And they said, we think there needs to be a book called Strong or Strong Girl. And we think you are the personification of both of those things. So we want you to write the book. And I said, y'all, are you kidding? I, I I don't have time for this. I am traveling. I am speaking. I don't have, no, I don't have time for this. They they made it sound like it was going to be super easy. <laughs> it's devotionals. It's just it's just little little teeny bits of things. You, you you can write something. You could probably do five a day, and it would be nothing. Lies, all <laughs> lies. It was so difficult, and so I I said yes. I don't know if I was flattered. I don't know if I was led by the spirit. I don't know, but uh, I said yes. It ended up taking me way longer than I thought. Now, I turned it in on time, but it wasn't easy. And so I turned in this manuscript for the 90 devotionals last February. You know, it's it's usually a year or more. And they wanted to do a end of March launch. And uh, when the coronavirus hit, and this is what I love about Thomas Nelson, uh, when the coronavirus hit, I reached out to them and I said, guys, I feel like we have a message for this moment. And can, can I start to release the books early? And they said, yes, you can have a preemie. Go ahead and give birth now. So we released it a little, it had been eight days ago. I don't know when your podcast will air, but uh, March 24th, we released it. And we have... Uh, we have found out that God knew. God knew the timing. God knew what people would need. And I also, in conjunction, again, keeping with the uh, idea that generosity, I decided 
you know, not everybody's going to be able to buy the book. Amazon has sold out of it. They're saying they're not going to ship any of them till the end of end of April. We have we have a bunch because we we bought a boatload. Barnes and Noble. Guess who else? Target. Uh, and then Books a Million, Mardell. Um, but what we did is we said we want to do a free online course. So we did. I did recorded eight lessons, and then the ninth is basically a, a prayer time. Um, and I just said we're gonna we're gonna give this we're gonna give this lesson to people so that they can be encouraged. And and we've had close to sixteen thousand women sign up. Wow. And how would you? Uh, how would you describe the heart of the book? Well, what would, uh, from your perspective? You know, um, I went into the Focus on the Family studios and recorded the book audio-wise. And I came home after reading through, over the course of two days, those 90 devotionals. And I said to my husband, oh my gosh, I had no idea how strong these things were. <laughs> I mean, I was like, it's it's a lot of medicine. It's a lot of repent, turn to God. It's a lot, don't have a divided heart. It's a lot of putting people uh, into the presence of God to get what they need. And you know, here's here's the here's the great thing. He's our ultimate source of strength. You know, when I look at David in Psalm 18, verse one, he just he makes it super simple. He just says, "I love you, Lord." my strength. You know, he, he, the kingdom, he was running around in the wilderness being chased by Saul. He had the disenfranchised disruptors with him. He, you know, he, he's losing things, gaining things, running around multiple wives, which I would always think is a challenge. And he is crying out, God, you're my refuge. You're my rock. You're my strength. You're my shield. You're my buckler. You're my horn of anointing. He, he just said, God, you're, I'm good. You're it. You're everything. And, uh, I think this is a time for that. And this isn't seven easy steps to strong. This is not a bikini ready by, by June book. This is, if you're serious about a life that is devoted. If you're serious about finding your strength in God, that I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to actually mess with some stuff and I'm going to point out some relational weaknesses, some dynamics of maybe an inappropriate uh, attribution of grace, you know, as, as, as like, Oh, I can do whatever I want because I'm covered by grace. Yeah, that kind of, maybe just, maybe, you know, maybe just the, maybe we're just going to reintroduce the go and sin no more. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I am the light of the world. No longer walk in shadows, but walk in the light of life. You know, so maybe we're just going to, we're just going to merge some stuff that somehow isn't popular on memes. And, these are the things that are going to work an inward weaving of strength. I believe that God is giving us an opportunity. It's like a pregnant pause right now. He is saying you can come into it this way, but you don't have to leave this season that way. You can take this season and use it to build strength because somewhere along the line, we have gotten the mistaken impression, and I would say given the mistaken impression that you can be a hero without a battle. We, we have a whole generation that is like, I'm a hero because 10,000 people liked my, my selfie. No, no, that does not make you a hero. That makes you maybe a celebrity, but we got to decide, are we part of God's story or are we writing our own story? And where do we want to land? Do we want to land in the lineage of Hebrews 11? Do we want to be cheered on by the cloud of witnesses or do we want fans? And I guess that's the question we all need to answer. I love that. <clears throat> you can't be a hero without, without a battle there. Uh, and I would agree, having read it again faster than I should have with going through uh, really quickly but uh, there was so much uh, each day was kind of a uh, hit between the eyes kind of moment uh, and, 
<laughs> but and so I, I, we're and I was thinking, you know, you really any of the days we could have a whole conversation about them. So I, I, we're not going to do that. But wait, let me just take a few of the ideas and we'll tr uh, try and give them something to give them an idea of what they're uh, what they're looking at. Uh, first, you talk about a passion is one of the kind of recurring themes throughout. Uh, but one of the things I, I loved, you talked about uh, both the, the good and the bad of passion are valuable indicators for us. Uh, can, can you talk about what you mean by that? Yes, I can. So, you know, I, I would love to take a little divergent to explain the why. So I open up the book with Strong is Not Wrong. And I think a lot of time as women, we, we don't know what strong looks like. So we, so we're afraid of our strengths. And, um, when I was doing the course, this, this isn't in the book, but when I was doing the course, I decided to look up all of the definitions of strong. And one of the definitions of strong is passionate. It is focus. It is fervent. It is fierce. It is all robust. All There's like 30 different synonyms for strong and all of them are positive. But interestingly enough, one of the antonyms for strong was indifferent. Indifferent. So a passionless church is an indifferent church. And we need to be passionate about the things that God is passionate about. And we have kind of, as a culture, a tied, tied passion to lust. But Jesus, you know, Jesus, we were Jesus's passion. You know, he, we were his hope set before him so he could endure the cross. And so I do feel that passion is a major indicator of how much we have allowed the presence and pressure uh, of what's going on and who God is to refine us. And so, yeah, I, I feel, you know, I, again, opposites of strong are indifferent, insipid, weak, fainting. And, you know, I'm not trying to belittle this season, but this season is a season where we are seeing people faint. We are seeing people panic. We are seeing people weak. We are also seeing people indifferent. They're like, oh, this isn't going to affect me. I've got enough toilet paper for a year. You know, I've I've loaded everything up. So, so we have to say God's exposing both ends of those spectrums, and He's asking us, "Is your passion my passion?" Because God's passion is always people. It's always going to be people. It's always going to be about setting the captive free. You know, Jesus said, God's anointing is on me to release captives, recover the sight of the blind, open the ears of the deaf, and to say, this is the acceptable year of the Lord, which I, I love that, but I want to go to the message paraphrase because the message paraphrase says, and this is the time to act. And so I think you and I, have an incredible opportunity to act out of our passion for people. And you, you say, uh, I wasn't going to go here, but you say uh, it's not unusual that the first captive that requires release is ourselves. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. yep. That's that's probably true, especially true in in a time like this. We've got to start with ourselves. Yep. Always, always. Uh, Again, uh, one of the things you make multiple references through throughout is journaling. You talk about journaling your prayers. You talk about uh, journaling habits. Uh, and so one of the recurring questions that come up uh, on this podcast is about journaling. And uh, what is either what does your habit uh, look like or uh, a different way uh, if you were recommending someone to start the habit of journaling, uh, wh where would you, where would you have them start? Well, and I, I will say, I love that you saw that that was a recurring theme. Um, I would actually love them to look at, and again, I have to have framework because Kevin, I, I'm ADD. So I journal to 
to keep myself focused. So let's say, let's say that somebody had my devotional. I would want them to look at the first one. Strong, it's okay to be strong. Strong is not wrong. And and if as you know it's structured, it has scripture, practicality with more scripture, prayer, and and a declaration. To me, the next step when you talk about journaling is to say, all this being true, what does that mean to me? And I think um, that if I can capture both of my questions, my prayer requests, and what does that mean to me, then I have a map. Do you know my very first book uh, was something, a book called Out of Control and Loving It. Uh, again, I told you um, it came out when I was 34. But do you know I started writing that book in my 20s? Didn't know I was writing a book. I was writing a journal. I was writing a journal. And what happened to what happened in my life is I was discontent to hear what everybody was saying, like, oh, God spoke to me. Or when I read this scripture, the Holy Spirit said, and I was like, what the heck, God? You're talking to everybody but me. Why, you know, I need you. I need you to be talking to me. You know, and so whenever I would have a decision, you know, I think, is it Satan talking? Is it just me that wants this? Or is this God leading me? And I, you know, there's, you know, that's not double-minded. That's triple, possibly four-folded minded. You know, and so double-minded would have been a, a relief. That's A or B. But I was like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I don't, I don't know. My husband would say, it must be so uncomfortable living in your mind. I said, you have, <laughs> you have no idea. And so I was a young mom, young breastfeeding mother. And, and the reason why that's important to say is, you know, sleep was a premium. Sleep was a premium. And I began to cry out to God. And I said, God, I want you to talk to me. I want to know your voice. I want to know when you're highlighting a scripture. I want you to, I want to know when you're uh, highlighting creation. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I think God is always talking. I think he, I live, I live here in Colorado. I wish you could see what I'm looking at. I've got a, I've got Pike's Peak out my window with dusted with snow. And whenever I look at the mountains, I hear there is something more than what you see. The mountains point up. They say there is a magnificent God. You know, so I, I feel like creation is always pointing to the creator. So uh, I, I'm not saying the canons are still open. I'm not saying the Bible's still writing. Calm down. In <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I am saying that God is alive. He's a living God. He's not a dead God. Do you know that? I mean, what in the world? So I wanted to know, and I wanted him to speak to me. So I said, I offer my sleep. That was my, this is the most precious thing I have. You can even wake me up in the middle of the night. And sure enough, he took me up on that. I, I felt I wanted it to be an Isaac. I wanted him to go, no, there, go get the, go get the ram in the thicket. But no, he's like, yep, I'll take it. So he started waking me up in the middle of the night and I would sit there almost like he was going to hit me like pen and paper, cringing, like, okay, talk to me. <laughs> and he just began with very simple things like, I love you. And I want you to want to ha be part of these times because I spent a lot of my prayer time apologizing for yesterday's ineffective or not long enough prayer time. And he was like, I'm really... I'm really tired of that conversation. Like, I'm really, I'm really, I'm really tired of you. I mean, I thought all China's going to hell because I fell asleep in my first <laughs> You know, so uh, God was like, you know, this is about you. Like, I don't need you to pray. You need to pray. <laughs> I don't, you, I don't need you to listen to me. You need to listen to me. And I want to talk to you more than you want to hear from me. So you need to change your perspective. And I started to write things in my journal. And, you know, some of the things were very much, I love you or scripture or something like that. But then he actually started to tell me things that there was no way I would know. And they happened. Like, I'll tell you the, the main one. I'd had the one child basically was shocked. I didn't die during my labor. It was so ridiculously painful. The recovery was horrific everything that could have gone wrong went wrong and uh, when I got up in journal one morning he said to me uh, you know you're you're gonna get pregnant again 
and you're going to have a son, but this time the birth will be quick and joyous. And I'm like, yeah, that's not the story from last time. You know what? If you're going to wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me I'm going to have pain, this is done. We're not talking. We're not talking. Because I obviously, he said, let me carry you. I'm like, I obviously don't know how to let you carry me. You did not do a good job. I had a lot of pain. And so literally that journal, I kind of closed. We moved. I couldn't find it. So I, you know, and I had another one. So I started another journal, had my second son in 27 minutes after I got to the hospital, totally forgot that God had told me that it would be quick, that it would be joyous, that it would actually feel like I gained strength rather than like almost died, you know? And so I totally forgot. And then I found the journal And when I opened it up and I read what God had told me when I was 26 and now I was 29, I just burst into tears, not because of that quick, empowering birth, but because I knew, Kevin, I knew that I knew the voice. And I think that we all have that promise. And if there was ever a time for us to have a confidence that we hear the voice of the good shepherd and we do not hear the voice of a stranger. This would be the time to develop that voice. God will never speak contrary to his word. So we need the word and we need the Holy Spirit. When we merge those two, we hear the spirit of God. So he doesn't talk to us according to just the letter. The letter is going to kill, but the spirit will give life. And so when I tried to write, I tried to write, boundaries of truth and love and God's holiness, hello, holiness mixed with practicality and something that somebody would be able to say, oh, Lisa, you were an idiot. Okay, yes, I see that. I don't have to be stupid like you. Okay, I won't do that. (laughs) I I love that because it sounds like there was a growing process with the whole... You, know, you start someplace and you got to grow with it. Right. And that's what, you know, and I think, I think, uh, I think that I would hope the theme through the book. And I know one of the declarations was I am strong because I celebrate growth and, and deny guilt. And I think that God is always about growth. Listen, he knows, he knows we need a reset every single day. He says his mercy is new every single day morning. He is not looking at you and me and saying, man, Kevin, yesterday was an epic fail. I hope, I just hope you get it right today. No, God is mercy, mercy. And what else? Love. His loving, not just loving, like I love you because I have to, because I'm God. Loving kindness. And it's this kindness that leads us to something we all need to have uh, it as a gift in our life, and that's repentance. And repentance is this recovery of everything that's actually valuable, important. You know, I was looking at Second Timothy, and I don't know the exact verse number, but what it was talking about, okay, it talked about the gift of repentance, the gift of repentance. And of course, in the King James, it says, you know, be able to recover themselves from the snare of Satan, who has taken them captive to do their will. But I was reading it in another version, which was a lot more poetic, and it said to recover themselves. See, we can get entangled and ensnared in busyness. It can even be good things that become idols in our life, but we can also get caught in habit patterns of slander and criticism and accusation and blame and having things that are idols in our life would mean I'm drawing my strength from that or giving my strength to that. And God's like, baby girl, I I need you to actually turn your eyes to something that will not fail you. I want you to get your strength from me. And it's not that God thinks, hey, this will be really fun. Let's knock down some idols and see what happens. He's like, I know who you really are and I know what you really want. Let me actually give you the desires of your heart rather than what you think you need right now. And our time time is running away from us, but uh, I do want to uh, 
touch on something, and you kind of even alluded to it right there, but you have a whole section on spiritual warfare, and I'd love to dive into that more, but wait, wait, just for the sake of time, I'll, let me go at one area that you talk about. Uh, there are so many battles that are won by simply outlasting the enemy. And in this time and in this season, uh, although it's true if someone's listening to this a year from now, uh, that you need to be able to outlast the enemy. But kind of especially during this uh, season of being stuck inside or whatever, uh, just knocking us down can be a can be the, the victory there. Uh, what advice would you give to someone to outlast in that spiritual battle there to outlast the enemy? Well, you know, the Bible is really clear. It says, having done all to stand, you stand. And I'm kind of like, okay, having done all to stand, stand. But then it goes into the whole thing about how we stand. We stand in a posture of armament of everything that God has given us. To me, this is a time for Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, understanding that God is giving us everything we need prayer salvation he's got that helmet so that when our mind is going crazy we can say hey i'm going to cast all my cares on god because he cares for me we have a sword of the spirit which is the word of god which is an eternal invincible invisible weapon and it's time we stop just studying it oh let me just study the word it's time we begin to wield it and i believe the way we wield the world is to speak it and to live it. Because it doesn't make any sense just to speak it if we're not going to live it. You know, so that is one of the things. And then we need to get ourselves, our mind around some of my least favorite scriptures in all of the Bible, the books of book of James. The book of James says, count it all joy, not mixed with any sorrow when you encounter various trials. Hey, hello. But the, uh, the, the, the message says, count it, hey, count it a sheer gift. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not going to count this a gift. And then it goes when, when attacks come from all sides. So apparently our God considers an ambush without any means of escape, which I think we're all in right now, to be an opportunity to show himself strong and develop something that gets developed in this dynamic, it's called patience. And if patience has her work in us, then we become mature, well-developed, and not deficient in any way. And so we're not just standing like, I hope this works, but we are standing in strength, and we are humbling ourselves. We are, we are not bowing to anything that God has not raised up in this season. We are standing before him. We are crying out to the one who is our source, the one who can heal our land. We are humbling ourselves before him, resisting the devil. So we humble, then we resist, because we understand there's only one thing that undermines the grace of God, and that is pride. Because God gives grace to the humble, and he resists. I'm sorry, I cannot, I cannot be in quarantine and have God resisting me. So I am, I am going to make sure I'm humbling myself in this season rather than trying to humble everybody else and straighten everybody else's stuff up. I'm going to invite other people into the same posture that I am embracing myself, which is the posture of strong to build a passionate and powerful life based on the right things rather than the wrong pursuits. Uh, well, that's a, a great place to start wrapping it up here. Uh, and it just shows you that there's so much more in here than we uh, I didn't even get through my questions. We, we didn't even. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of depth to this. Uh, what anything last that you'd like to say about the book or where they can find it? Uh, any yeah. where they can find you online, all those things. <laughs> yeah. So I am all over social media. I am at Lisa Bevere. Uh, and it's Bevere is just like severe because we are severe. No, <laughs> so it's it's just B E V E R E. So it's Lisa Bevere. I'm on Instagram where people are nicer than Facebook and Twitter, but I am on all three of those. Um, there is a lisabevere.org. All of these have pathways where you can get a hold of the book. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it at Books a Million, Mardell. 
Amazon is kind of sold out, but you can get the Kindle and you can get the Audible through Amazon. And then you can also get it from us. We've, we've been running a special, Kevin, uh, that for any gift of any amount, we are giving the book. And because we just don't want to see people not get the resources and they can sign up for the free course strong. And uh, they, I'm trying to think there's another place. Oh, Target. Target.com has the book and the Target stores will be carrying the book. It's my understanding uh, starting mid-April. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited. All of those are opportunities. Oh, wonderful. Uh, that. We'll put all those in the show notes for people to find it so they can uh, get the links and find you there. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's, it's been a great conversation and I hope lots of people will get the, their books, the book in their hands. Thank you, Kevin. Well, there you have it. I hope that was an encouragement to you in your walk with Jesus and your pursuit of him and going after him uh, as it was for me. I keep going back to that quote. There are so many battles that are won by simply outlasting the enemy. That encouragement uh, that we get and that we just keep going and don't give up uh, that keeps us in the game, that keeps us there and we win because of it. And that's what this podcast can do for you. Uh, let me encourage you to subscribe to our channel uh, because we want to encourage you on your adventure with Jesus. And sometimes it's just about not giving up. And so if we can come alongside you, give you that boost when you're feeling down, uh, that's what we want to do. Uh, so subscribe, uh, maybe share it with a friend who's going through a hard time. Let it be an encouragement to them so they don't give up because uh, that's what we want to do. We want to keep it uh, going for ourselves and then uh, get people around us who want to go on that journey together. Uh, if you want to find the show notes, you can find it at ChristConnection.cc as in Christ Connection, and uh, click on the podcast. You can find the show notes, all the uh, goodies that are there. And while you're there, check out the rest of our website and the resources. We want to be a resource to you on your walk with Jesus. Uh, before you go, let me encourage you as well. Find us on social. Uh, say hello. Uh, I like to say hi. Uh, you can find us at Enjoying Prayer or Christ Connection uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we want to be uh, a blessing to you, but we'd love to hear where you're watching from slash not watching. You're not watching. This is an audio program. Uh, but uh, you can, uh, where you're listening from, that'd be great. Uh, Thank you for taking the time today. I pray that you are blessed, that you experience the grace of God, the enjoyment uh, that comes from knowing him and being in communion with him, that today would be a special day of his presence. So until next time, I want to thank you for listening.